Counterfeit Beats headphones. I remember getting uh, some counterfeit AirPods that were like $12. And I got them, I'm like, wow, this is an awesome deal for these AirPods. And I get them and I think they were, they were hollow. And so there was nothing inside the actual canister of the AirPod. Basically, I was like, wow. Yeah, Grant, you remember. $200 of Clash of Clans. Who else has spent money on a game? You're like, that was a waste of money. He's spending money on the game. Gosh, Candy Crush is brutal. <clears throat> um, I have a funny story. So uh, I asked, this is about my sister, okay? And so for those of you guys who know my sister, her name's Mackenzie, and she's the sweetest little thing you ever could find in the world, right? Um, she's a nurse at Children's Healthcare Atlanta. She just moved here last semester. And, uh, <clears throat> and so what she was doing one day, and I got her permission to say this, and she said, you just got to make me look like a victim and not a loser. I was like, got you. And so, okay, so she's walking through the mall. And uh, you know in the mall, what do you have? You have people that are in those little kiosks, right? That are ruthless, okay? That are ruthless. And that when you're around them, when you're around them, what are you trying to do? You are trying to avoid them as much as possible. Much like a lot of you guys when someone shared your faith with you, right? And so, that wasn't that was meant to be a problem. You know you're trying to walk around people that are talking to and so, and so what does she do? Like all of us do, she says, okay, I'm going to get on a phone call so that they'll obviously not talk to me, right? So she's on the phone and she's, she's walking by and, and, you know, they're just, they're still just ruthless. And they go for it. Like, oh, you're so, come, hey, you're so pretty. Come on, let me try out this new hair thing. Like, no, I'm good. I go, come on, you have to try it out. Five minutes, five minutes. She's like, okay, okay, I got, I got five minutes. And so she goes over and. She's sitting down in the, in the chair, and uh, it's, a, it's like a hair, it's a hair straightener place, right? So uh, it's, she's getting like, hair straighteners, and she's, you know, kind of like getting her hair straightened. And everybody's like so nice, and they're like, you know, and they're, they're like, hey, you look so beautiful and amazing, and like, your hair looks so good, and all this kind of stuff. And so she's like, at first, thought they were really nice. Later on, like, they were manipulating me. And so she, they say, hey, as they're doing, you know, as they're getting their hair, and it's not just this one lady, it's like, Everybody at the kiosk now surrounding her, like complimenting her, right? And so they they start talking about these hair straighteners as she's as she's uh, you know sitting in the chair. They start describing the product and all that kind of stuff. And then you know obviously it comes. Hey, you know we're, we're having a special deal right now. You can get this hair straightener for three hundred dollars. <laughs> and so she's like, never in a billion years would I spend three hundred dollars for this hair straightener. And so she's like. No. So she's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not, you know, not going to do that. No. Okay, okay. Well, um, how about what if we did like uh, a deal? Actually, I think we have a deal right now. And you can do a deal. We'll get two, two hair straighteners for $250. I don't, know, I don't know what they were doing right there, right? But, they, but she's like, no. No, I can't do that. And so, you know, again, and so they kind of whittle it all the way down basically to like $160 for these two hair straighteners. That are originally $350, right? But still, $160 when you don't have a lot of money, you're like, that doesn't make any difference of $300 or $1,000. That's a lot of money. No way I would ever do that, right? And so she's sitting there, and they're just putting the ask on her hard, right? And they're starting. And then all of a sudden, you know, because the product didn't work, the lady starts saying, man, I just want to let you know, like, my life is really hard right now, and I need, I need the sales kind of stuff. I need the sale. And McKenzie's like, well, now, what am I, like, now I can't just say no, you know, to this lady. And so she's, because she's talking all this. 
And so, and so basically she's like, fine. And so she bought these hair straighteners for $160, right? So she's buying them and she goes to buy it and her card doesn't work. And so she's like, thank the Lord that my, that my credit card isn't working. And so she's like, oh, sorry, I can't, you know, I can't do it. And like, well, why don't you just call the credit card place? And so, and so Mackenzie, you know, because in any one of these moments, you know, she could just ran away, but she's so nice and awesome, you know, that she decided not to. And so they're just putting it on her. So she sits there on speakerphone with her credit card company as these people are telling her what to say. The credit card people basically say, hey, we can't do anything right now. You can't do purchases till tomorrow. And so she's like, thank God, once again, you know? And they're like, hey, have you ever heard of Zelle, right? Which is like, you can go back and forth. And she had learned about Zelle that morning. And so she's like, no, I can't even lie and say I don't even know what it is, so I have to do it. And so basically then she goes, and, and meanwhile, like when they, she bought it for $160 originally, she starts weeping, right? So she's crying in front of these people. They don't care. They're just saying like, yeah, credit card company, go. She's sitting there just crying and all this kind of stuff. She ends up buying it, going away, just, just crying, going home to Lizzie and just needing some help, you know, right there. And so what do we learn from that right there? We learn that this world is ruthless, okay? This world is ruthless to people that are just as kind and nice as Mackenzie, you know? We live in a world that is bombarding us into this consumerist culture. We live in a kingdom, and the king is materialism. And the king has a gospel of his own. He says, come to me. Consume. Find comfort and security with me. And you will truly find rest for your souls. The world teaches us that we're unsatisfied. We don't have enough. And then what it does is it feasts on our desires and offers food that's never going to satisfy. The world around us is ruthless about this message. And so we have to be ruthless back. And so tonight what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how to put your, your boxing gloves on and go toe-to-toe with the consumerist culture that we live in. And so the title of our message tonight is called Get Rich Quick. You know, every person in here wants to live a rich life. With money, having money would be nice, right? But Everybody in here wants the riches of a godly life, right? Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants to be confident and secure, have health, have awesome relationships. And this world knows that we all want that. Why do we, that's why we see in every ad, what do we see? People that are comfortable, people that look secure, people that are healthy, people that are confident. And it's obvious, right? They, they show that on there to kind of get us to buy the product when really that stuff doesn't really satisfy us at all. The world knows this. They crave it. The world craves it around us. Yet more than ever, the world seems rushed. It seems worried, in a hurry, insecure, and has really shallow relationships. And I think it's because they've been looking for it, right? In all the wrong places. Let's go over to 1 Timothy for a second. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6. Man, I read this and I just like, just laughed a few times because it's just so good. It's just so good. First Timothy 6. And it's still like, it is amazing how this is written 2,000 years ago and still exactly true today, right? And so Cody read this passage before. Um, but we're going to read it again and then go a little bit further. But it says in verse 6, 
It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we were brought, for we brought nothing into the world. And guess what? We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that, look at this, plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You know, wherever it says money, I want you to also think about stuff. Because we look at money and we're like, man, we don't really have a lot of money necessarily. Uh, maybe like individually. But we are bathing in stuff. And the love of stuff, it says right here, is a root of many evils. And the temptation to acquire all that stuff, it literally plunges people. Like diving into a pool, plunges them into ruin and destruction. And it's so obvious. It is so abundantly obvious in the world around us that it's happening. And I think what's dangerous is that we walk a really fine line. And it's a dangerous line when the consumerist culture of stuff competes with us consuming God. You know, I heard one of our brothers in a different country, he said this one time, he said, you know, I worry about you guys in America. He said, it must be so hard to have a true relationship with God because of all the stuff that you guys have. I don't know how you guys do it. How do you guys do it? All that stuff it must be so hard. I'm like, man, that is so true. It's so true. People around the world are worried for us because of all the stuff that we have in our life. You know, and I've seen this happening in my own life. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I love new things. I love, like, whenever there's a new update for my phone, I get, like, happy, you know, on the inside. And I'm, like, so excited to update my phone. Even if it's, like, a security update that does nothing, I'm, like, pumped up because it's new, right? Just buying into the lie, right? Just, like, you know, exactly going into their, into their hands right there. But, you know, when you get new things, I just kind of, you love it, you know? And I, I mean, there's often where I'm, like, you know, having some more money would be real, would be real nice right now. You know, and I kind of get into that, get into that headspace. I'm like, yeah, why don't I have more money? I should have more money. Man, what was me? I wish I had more. Other people my age have double what I have, you know, or whatever. And it's like, it's easy for me to kind of get caught, get caught in that culture. And I'm starting to believe that one of the greatest enemies on the human soul is discontentment. We often don't believe that God is really enough. It's so easy to get discontent with what you have. From the very beginning of the Bible, what was kind of the root of, the, of their sin right there? They didn't believe that God was enough. And they said, we need to take something for our own. Because we don't, we're discontent with what God's given us. We need something more. And we fall into that trap. It's so easy. You know, we think we need so many things. You ever kind of get in that trap? You're like, man, I just, I just really need those new shoes, man. I just need them. Or, man, I really need this dog or I really need to be like right when I grab I need to get I need to get a house right or I really need those new clothes or I really need those new headphones because I cannot listen to my music well you know with the ones I have now or I need the ones that don't have the wires because the wire is just is just like is ruining my life you know and so I need the wireless ones right it's like and we we kind of go around all the time it's like we think we need so many things what does it say right here it says if we have these things, we're content. It says two things. It says if we have food and if we have clothing. And Jesus and the writers of the New Testament, they say this all the time. 
And I, th- I think since we don't live in a dry desert, we probably would add shelter to that one as well, right? And so food, clothing, and shelter. God says that's all you need to live a thriving life. That's all you need. Um, but I don't really think that people, like, I think if we were to actually go around this room, I don't think anybody in here actually believes that. I know it's like, I want to think that's true. I'm like, yeah, God, if it was just food and clothing, I'd be good because I'd have you. And that's like a really cool spiritual thing to say. But as I think about it, I'm like, if everything in my life was taken away besides just food and clothing, that would be miserable. And I, I don't know if I would be able to do that. Like, it's hard enough for me to, like, something new comes out, and I'm like, oh, man, I just really need that. And I'm, like, discontent not having a new thing. Imagine if you take everything else away. And it's so easy to kind of get caught in that place. How about you? If right now, if someone told you, hey, you can't buy anything for the next year, how would you feel about that? Would that be, like, extremely hard for you? Besides, yeah, besides food and clothing. Or, and basic clothing. When he's talking to these people, these people probably have two pairs of clothing. But how would that be to you? All right, Paul goes on in this letter because he gets even more just awesome right here. In verse 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world. Okay, let's stop right there. Anytime you see the Bible say talking to people that are rich, he's talking to you and me. Every time he's talking about people that are rich, he's talking about you and me. We are far wealthier than any people that were in this, that were in this time right here. Far wealthier. Here's a, little, here's a little graphic right here from a book. I'm not really sure if you can see it. Um, I've been reading a book lately that I'll mention in a little bit. Um, but this shows kind of the wealthiest people in the world. Obviously, most people fall, 70% of the world falls kind of in that bottom category. Um, people that are rich are basically anybody above that category. And so anybody above that, you know, like the crazy rich people, like the people that have more than one pair of shoes, or they own their own computer, or they have an iPhone, or they drive a car, those crazy rich people, okay? You guys are crazy rich. That's just materially. You think about spiritually. You know how many people have a room like this in the world? You know how many people have a campus ministry that's sending people to places all over the world? That have people that are like legitimately, you have mental health professionals that are coming in to help you? Do you have people that are experts in things like finances that are giving you presentations? That's not me, right? Like right now. But we have people like that. That we have older people kind of in the church that are willing to invest in us, that are coming to our Friday night devos just to be with us. Do you understand we're sitting in a building that you guys barely paid for, that we get to enjoy more than anybody else? We are abundantly rich. Abundantly crazy rich to anybody else on this planet. So whenever you see command those who are rich, that's a commandment to us. And what does it say? It says, command those who are rich in this present age, in this present world. It says, not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth. Now, what I don't think he means by arrogant is you just go around like with your money and you're saying, oh yeah, I'm the man. You guys stink, right? I think arrogance is just saying, you know what? I can rely on my money. I don't really, God is awesome. But like, even if I didn't have God, I mean, I still have all my other needs taken care of. And I think that kind of arrogance where we don't really feel like we need God, that's a scary one right there. Or put their hope in wealth, right? Let's keep going, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, look at this line, who richly provides us with everything for what? Our enjoyment. God is a good God. He's an awesome God. He says, he says, command them to do good. To be rich in what? Good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way, if you just do this, the rich people, don't even like, he's not even bashing them for being rich. 
He's just saying, hey, those rich people out there, that's an amazing blessing. He's like, use those things to be generous. In doing so, verse 19, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You know, God wants to give us life. And not just any, like, life that you're just breathing. He wants to give you life that is truly life. Full life. Abundant life. Extraordinary life. And according to this passage, it has something to do, obtaining that life has something to do with how we use our material possessions. There's something, there's something connected there. And it's so interesting how the kingdom of God is almost like there was a direct correlation with material possessions. Remember Acts chapter 2 when, when uh, the kingdom comes, you know, and, and everybody there, they realize that the kingdom has come for the first time. And what's the, what, what is one of the obvious things that they start doing? They start selling their possessions and giving them to people in need. You know, Acts chapter 5, same thing happens, right? Like, it's one of the most, when people come in contact with the kingdom of God, almost one of the first things they do is say, I have material possessions, how can I give? They were so connected. It's impossible, according to Jesus, to both get peace and confidence and freedom the way that Jesus wants you to and the one he's offering, but also get caught up in the consumerist culture that we live. It is impossible. You cannot have both. According to Jesus, one of the biggest distractions we have in our ability to have a thriving relationship with him is stuff. The love of money. He says the only God he mentions by name is money in the Bible. Because Jesus knows that that's one of the biggest distractions for us is going to be stuff. And so, okay, we see how big of a deal this is. Uh, the way we think about and use our money is extremely important to God. It is not something that is just like a suggestion or a side effect of being a Christian. It is of utmost importance to God and he really cares about what we do with this. And so, um, and it's also not just important to God, it's important to our spiritual well-being. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. I want to take it a little bit of a step deeper, okay? Put, I want to put two things in your mind as we're talking about things tonight. Uh, and I want, I want you to think about this in terms of how you shop and then of how you think about stuff. Okay, the first is how does the love of stuff affect you personally? We get meaning out of what we consume, what we wear, what we own, uh, what, how we look, uh, how we feel is like directly correlated to any, like how we feel about ourselves. And so the, the clothes that you buy, the things that you have, those things are a direct reflection of how you feel about you. And so a lot of times, what do you go to the store to buy? Things for yourself. Why? To give you a certain image in front of others. Very little of what we buy is actually because we need it, right? Some of it is, is because we need it. But some of it is because we're trying to put out there an image about what we want to look like in front of other people. And so, um, why, do we, why do we buy clothes? Why do we need the latest headphones? Why do we have 16 pairs of shoes? I think it's because we're trying to send a certain message about ourselves, But we're also trying to kind of get some meaning and develop meaning about who we really are. Which... Isn't it always bad? Like, it's not always bad to kind of, like, be thinking about what other people think about you. Some of the brothers in here probably need to think about what people think about them more, you know? Because of, and I know Jordan has been called out about this multiple times. You know, you can't be dressing like a slob and expect people to take you seriously, you know what I'm saying? And so, hey, some of you guys, 
That was in the, in the past. In the past. I'm saying way back. Jordan Dress is extraordinarily awesome now, but that's because of LaToya, right? <laughs> but, but hey, <clears throat> but I think, I think we need to be really, really careful. Because doing things solely because of what people think about you can feed insecurity, comparison, discontentment, and judgment. And I get worried sometimes that we care more about how we look on the outside than what we look on the inside. And that some people put way too much thought and time and energy into what they wear, what they have, and how they look, and not enough time and energy into their character or into their hearts. I don't have a, I don't have a problem like with your clothing and stuff, like being something that's part of your identity, you know? But that's, that's honestly a relatively new concept. Most of the world throughout history, it didn't have kind of different fashions that each person was wearing unless you were crazy, crazy rich, you know? So that's kind of a new thing, right? And so it's not necessary in order to have a really great life. And so, but if you're, so I'm not, there's not really necessarily a problem with it, but if your primary way of shaping your identity comes from what you wear or how people look at you and doesn't come from being adored and loved by God, then you will consistently be insecure and unconfident and unable to enjoy the abundant pleasures of life in God's kingdom. It's just not possible. And then what's the product? Like when people are just doing that all the time, when they're like uh, comparing themselves and trying to see how they look and that's what they're caught up with all the time, what does that lead to in our minds? It breeds people that are anxious, people that don't feel at peace, that are always wondering what they look like when they walk into a room. People that are always working hard for the next thing. They're never just content where they are. If you're constantly worried, it's, it builds people that are constantly worried all the time about getting the new thing, about if they have the right thing, if they look a certain way, if they're keeping up with the trends. Like, and it creates people that are just worried all the time about that kind of stuff. You know, basically, materialism leads, peop- leads to people that are always anxious, worried, discontent. And Jesus, Jesus came to show us a better way. He came to show us something better. Let's go to Matthew 6 real quick. Matthew 6. We're not, we're not even getting into the good stuff yet, okay? We're like, we're just kind of scratching the surface a little bit. I'm telling you, this stuff, this stuff was like intense for me as I was learning about it. <clears throat> Matthew 6. It says in verse 19, you guys have heard this before, but it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Also, What you invest in is who you become. What you consume is who you become. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, well, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then that light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is kind of like a, uh, what he's talking about here is, hey, what you're focused on, kind of what you're, what you're engaged with, what you're investing in, wherever you turn, it's like if that thing is, is light, then you're going to become light. If that thing is darkness, watch out because you're going to become darkness. You are what you eat, right? Verse 24 says, no one, no one, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one 
and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But here's some encouragement from the master himself. Verse 25. He says, therefore I tell you. He's like, because of all that stuff, I'm just giving you a warning. But here, here's what I really want to tell you. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns or... And and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more? You are much more valuable than they. Can any of you worry by worrying at a single hour to your life? I like the footnote. It says, or a single cubit to your height. Some of the short people are trying to, you know, trying to get taller by worrying. And then he says this, he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, they're not even Solomon. Wow. In all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these flowers. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which what? Is here today and then gone tomorrow. Is thrown into the fire. He, he, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For what? The pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, Jesus says, you know, the pagans, the people that have no concept of God, they run around worrying about all these kind of material possessions. He's like, but not you guys. You guys are with me. So if you're with me, do you not think I'm going to take care of you? That you don't have to worry about all that kind of stuff that you just hang out with me. I'm going to give you everything that you ever needed. You know, what you invest in is who you become. Are you leveraging your money, your time, and your resources towards things that really matter? Or towards things that will go out of style or out of date next year? One of the solutions I wanted to talk about Tonight was the idea of simplifying your life. Simplifying it. We live in a crazy, chaotic world that's really complicated. I want to make it real simple for you. And I want you to feel like your life can be really simple too. Learning how to simplify your outer world so that it also helps you simplify your inner world and your heart. And, uh, and so we're going to watch a, a quick video. Anybody ever watched uh, uh, the documentary Minimalism? There's a documentary out there. Here's just, it's a, it's a commercial about it. We spend so much time on the hunt, but nothing ever quite does it for us. And we get so wrapped up in the hunt that it kind of makes us miserable. Black Friday shopping mania is still playing out tonight in malls across America. Uh, so saving some big bucks on the holiday to have achieved the American dream has increased tremendously in material terms. This is not something that just happened yesterday. This is something that has been sold to us over the past hundred years by those that want to make a whole lot of money. Now that's what I call a good-looking car. You have this 
this thing that you were obsessed about, but then the new version comes out, and now you no longer care about the one you have. In fact, the one you have is a source of dissatisfaction. People are beginning to recognize that they've maybe been tricked. There is no out until you become aware. You're not going to get happier by consuming more. talked about right because these are guys that are not necessarily all Christians but they're uh, they're saying that you know simplicity is an inward reality that can be seen in outward lifestyle or it's choosing to leverage time money talents and possessions towards things that matter most you know I think that Jesus modeled this so well in his life his life was extremely simple he walked everywhere he ate simple foods he didn't have that many pieces of clothing uh, and I think what that did is it helped him have a little bit of this inner peace. In a chaotic world, he didn't have to worry about all that kind of stuff. He knew God was going to take care of him. He lived this really simple life. And so what I want to do is give you some practicals for how to simplify your life. Here's one. Don't impulse buy. Wait and think before you act. You ever done that with food? You feel like you're still hungry, then you wait you know, 30 minutes and you're actually not that hungry, just settled? Sometimes that happens when we're like, oh, I want that. And you're like, kind of want to go buy it right there. Sometimes it's just a good habit. Wait 24 hours and see if you still want it. Because some, a lot of times it goes away. Uh, when you buy, opt for fewer and better things. You know, for those little AirPods I got, I got to return them, which is nice, you know. But um, we a lot of times fill our house with a lot of cheap things that break all the time. Or a lot of clothes that are kind of cheap, but they don't last very long. And so it says, man, opt for better things that last. Because that stuff's going to really help simplify your life. Here's one. Share. You don't need to have something if your friend has it. Borrow. Share. You don't need something new. It's a crazy new concept that you learned when you were two years, two years old. You know? Here's one. Get in the habit of giving. There's something scientifically proven about people that are generous are actually happier people. And that people, when they were generous, their, their health, their physical health legitimately got better. Uh, Get in the habit of giving, which Cody talked a lot about the other day. Recognize the lie in advertising. 
You know, in this book I've been reading, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's by a guy named Jean-Marc Comer. Uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot of where I got a lot of this material and some of the things affiliated with that. <clears throat> and um, he says with his kids, when they're watching TV, they play a game. When ads come on, they point out where they're lying. He's like, hey, just because you're driving that car doesn't mean you're going to get that good looking, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's like pointing out the lie in advertising. Here's one, simplify your closet. In this, he talked about and how it's, it's actually there are studies that show um, that you don't need 30 outfits for 30 days of the month. That if you just wear, you can wear the same three or four outfits every week. And that, and this guy talks about how he went down to basically three outfits every, for every season and just cycled through them every other day. And how, what does that do? It totally eliminates you worrying about what you're going to wear that day. You get to wear your favorite stuff all the time. And you don't really have to kind of like, you don't need 15 pairs of shoes. You just got the ones that are going to be good and, and you're good to go. That might, for some of you here, be like, oh my gosh, that is the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. But it's amazing that when people do that, how it brings so much peace to their life. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing some of that stuff myself. And then learn to get deep joy from simple pleasures. A nice day, uh, hanging out with friends. Um, hanging out on your beautiful campuses that you guys go to. You guys go to awesome campuses. Having a, just a cup of coffee, a good conversation. I want all of us to feel like this girl feels in this video. Hey, don't we all want to like, kind of like be like that girl? You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to live life like her. And just enjoy a banana. Enjoy the small things in life because that's where life really matters, you know? And so those are some things to kind of simplify your life. Now I want to switch gears for a minute, okay? I want to switch gears. We talked about how this affects you. Now I want to talk about how it affects others. We all know that the level at which Americans consume is doing great harm to the earth. Scientists argue that it would take something like five Earths to uh, have everyone on the planet live the same way the average American lives. It would take five Earths. And there are many other things about the environment you can go look up out there. One of them that's kind of, you know, that affects us is talking about polyester and how polyester uh, is a fabric that will stay in the earth forever. And how it's in 50% of our clothing right now. It's the cute new workout outfit you got or that nice shirt that's like, you know, uh, water resistant or whatever. That stuff is killing the earth. And so some of you guys care. I know some of us care a lot more deeply about the environment than other people, right? And some people are just really passionate about it. And others, not so much. Um, We should probably care more, you know. But but the earth isn't the only victim of our overconsumption. You know, recently when I was reading this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and then there's a podcast that, that uh, I was listening to as well. It talks about sweatshops and justice, fast, fast, fast fashion, and blood money. And there was a lot of information. Um, yeah, I was reading it, and I was shocked 
And I was disturbed when I learned about the dark underbelly of globalization. I had no clue that a huge chunk of the items in my home and my life were made unjustly, if not with full-on human trafficking and child labor. I want to show you guys a video, um, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit right after. We communicate who we are through clothing. It is fundamentally a part of what we wish to communicate about ourselves. We used to have a system, a fashion system, that has absolutely nothing to do with the fashion industry today. It has been reinvented. It's based on materialism. The problem is that it comes at a really high price. Want to take a guess at, at uh, what percentage of our clothing is made in the United States? Yeah, two percent. Two percent of our clothing is made in the United States. Everything else is made overseas, where things can be made cheaper for us to enjoy. In many of these places, like Vietnam and Bangladesh, government corruption is brutal, and officials do nothing to stop the victimization of workers. Things like minimum wage, health care, and unions are alien to these people. Workers are likely to work six to seven days per week in a sweltering factory, often in unsafe conditions with no protection. One in six people in the world work in the garments industry. That's 1.5 billion people. 80% of those people are women. And fewer than 2% of them make a living wage. 
not everyone, obviously, around the world uh, is working in these kind of conditions. And it doesn't mean that everybody is oppressed, but some of these stories that I was reading and videos I was watching and things I was hearing were appalling. Many of the clothes that we buy, that we have on now, were made by people who were trafficked into slavery or forced into labor. Many of them, children, that were taken from their families and taken from their school and forced to go to work. You know, just like Egypt, right, in the Bible, just like Egypt, America is built on the oppression of the poor. And they've done it in a way that makes slavery guilt-free. You know, there's a quote in this book. It says, man, we, we like to think that slavery ended in 1865. But the reality is we just moved it overseas where no one could see it or is out of our sight. But the odds uh, are great that what you have on right now, your clothes, your electronics, and the food that, was, that you have in your house was produced by these kind of people. These companies, along with many others, scored really low. There's a lot of tests out there and, um, about how people are, companies are doing, putting these things into practice and providing these conditions. And uh, many of them scored very low on those valuations. And over the years, things have gotten better, but still, if one person is kind of suffering for this, it's still not finished. Uh, let me know if you've heard of some of these companies. Uh, Walmart, Urban Outfitters, Aeropostale, Skechers, Fruit of the Loom, Nike, Abercrombie, American Eagle, Gildan, Macy's, Forever 21, and many more scored very, very low on these tests about how they're treating people that are making the products that we have in our feet right now. Some, want, some are better than others, right? There's uh, Adidas, H&M, Gap that have a little bit higher scores. And the end industry seems to be getting better overall, but, <clears throat> but it's still, it is, if there's 1.5 billion people this affects, this is a massive deal. You know who a massive deal I feel like it is to? It is a massive deal to God. Look at this in Deuteronomy. He says, uh, do not take advantage of a hired worker who is poor and needy. Whether that worker is a fellow Israelite or a foreigner residing in one of your towns. Pay them their wages each day before sunset because they are poor and are counting on it. Otherwise, they may cry out to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. Proverbs 31 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Jeremiah, this is what the Lord says. Be fair-minded and just. Do what is right. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Quit your evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. You know, I think the stuff that's happening in the world right now stirs the anger of God. And he is furious about the things that are happening out there right now. And I don't know what you feel when you hear these things, right? Because like, I, I, I just heard about some of these things in the last couple of weeks. And I brought it up to our campus staff and said, hey, I think we need to talk about this. And they thought it was a good idea for us to talk about it. And I know for me it was a bit overwhelming. I'm still trying to figure it out. After I figured it out, I mean, three days later, I had a gift card at Dick's. And I went in and got some new shoes for the new court in there because I had a Christmas present. And, a bang, and bang, I already felt like I'm... You know, kind of like, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to learn. And I think this is a very complicated issue. And as I thought about it, 
I knew that, okay, there's no way that me personally, I'm going to solve it. But I just kind of feel like, you know, when Jesus comes back, I, I want to be able to tell him that I did everything in my power not to oppress people. And not to, like, take advantage of what I have because I didn't earn it. And at the expense of other people. I wanted to at least say I tried to be part of the solution here. I don't want Jesus, Jesus, when he's talking to the people that oppressed people and the slave owners and people that were terrible to people, I don't want to be in that group because of my ignorance. That stuff scared me. And I think as followers of Jesus, we cannot and should not avoid this topic. What would Jesus do if he knew about all these kind of things? If he was sitting in your seat right now, would he turn a blind eye? And say, well, I can't do anything about it, so why even try? It's too hard. Would he cause us an uproar and just go crazy? I don't know. But I think if Jesus was at the store and he was able to see behind the scenes of the product that he was about to buy, I just can't see Jesus going through and buying that. You know what I'm saying? And again, I think this is a very complicated issue that has so many different factors to it. But when we decided to follow Jesus we decided that he was going to have an impact and influence on every aspect of our life. Right. And it's important to evaluate ourselves and see, and see if our shopping habits submit to Jesus' authority. And so I want to give us a couple of strategies because there's no way we're going to fix it in, in the sense of like, you know, it can feel a bit overwhelming and we're like, okay, what do we, what do, we do about it? Number one, I just want to kind of tell you, I have three three things that were helpful that I was hearing. One is to buy things that are used. To buy at thrift stores, to buy from your friends, and not to buy new things. To buy that are used. There's plenty of things out there that you can get at the thrift store. I've gotten some awesome things at the thrift store. And uh, I think there are so many things that people are throwing away. You can stick with trusted companies. You can go online and learn about companies out there. They're really trying their best. It's very few of them. The people that are really, that have it all together. You can stick to those companies. Or here's the best one I can, that I can think of. It's just buy less stuff. We don't need more stuff. And if the idea of buying less tweaks you, and it's buying less, even though you know kind of like the expense and the cost that could have, and you're still like willing to say, I can't, I can't do that, I think that's a really good indication of something going on in your heart. That's probably some good stuff to think about and figure out. You know, not all of this is meant to guilt you. And the next time you're at Target, you know, or Dick's Sporting Goods, you know, it's, uh, it's meant to keep us aware of the things that are affecting us, but also affecting the world around us. God desperately wants for you and for everyone around the world to take hold of that life that is truly life. And I think his heart breaks when he sees humanity buying into the lies that are hurting themselves and hurting those around them. I think it's good to take note of how it hits you tonight. If there's things tonight that make you feel super defensive, I think that's a really great thing to think about. Uh, if you're tempted to justify a lot of your behaviors and justify a lot of what you do or your friend's behaviors, I think that's really normal because that's what I did. I started justifying, well, no, you know, like if, I know there's a couple of things and just trying to find excuses to keep doing what I'm doing. But I think it's important to look at why I get so defensive. After leaving tonight, you know, I don't want you to walk away and just like feeling ashamed or terrible, right? Jesus didn't get mad at the rich. He warned the rich. And he commanded them to be generous. 
And there's no way, you know, if <clears throat> there's no way that Jesus wants us in here just to feel like guilty and just kind of like sitting like in the shame. But I do think Jesus is telling us that if we allow him, if we allow him, because he's given us all the options. If we allow him, he wants to set us free from materialism and to help us grasp that life to the full. A rich and abundant life. And I think Jesus wants us to enjoy life and enjoy the nice things that we have. But I think he wants to set us free from our reliance on them. He wants to save us from the things that will never give us life. And so as we go forward, I encourage you guys to think about what you consume. Think about it more, you know. Think about what it's going to do to you and consider what it's going to do to others. And let's trust that Jesus is going to get us that amazing life that he promised. Let's pray. And then I think we're in Cody's count to kind of close this out. Let's pray. Father, um, we are, uh, we are humble. God, we, uh, I think I'm even a little bit speechless. Um, even as I've been preparing this, I've been just, uh, I think thrilled to share this because I feel like it's just something that we need. And it's something that, um, I, I didn't, I didn't want us going another day, not knowing about some of these things, because I feel like God, there's people around the world that are suffering because of our desires. And we ourselves are suffering because of our desires. And God, we pray, we pray desperately, God, that you would teach us to walk with your son, Jesus, that you would help us be content with what we have, that you would help us learn uh, to not find, put all of our faith in wealth, God, and that we would learn to really take care of those around us. God, I pray for the people around the world that are suffering because of that, God. Please comfort them. Please have a special place for them, God, in your kingdom. Please uh, give them everything that they need to know you, God, and please give them some comfort and some relief, and please help us be part of that process. Uh, God, we are so grateful to have your scriptures. We're so grateful to have Jesus. We're so grateful that he wants to set us free, God. We want to live those incredibly free life that is truly life lives, and we pray that you would give that to us, God. But we love you. Thank you so much for this night. You're the best. In your son's name, amen. Amen.